0: I get buckets right between the eyes what is
1: up everyone it is blue wire buckets coming to you I am your host for this evening Ben Dowsett I am normally the host of the sharp notes podcast on the blue wire network I am joined by one of the OGs out in the Bay, joining us tonight to recap a bit of the Warriors and, of course, the draft lottery that took place earlier today. It is the founder of Hashtag StephBetter, Andy Lou. Andy, how you doing, man? (laughs)
0: Good. I love how you started this podcast with more energy than the Portland defense. Gotta respect that. Boom! Hey, we are
1: coming out hot to start this. Uh, (laughs) I was saying to Andy about two minutes ago before we started this, we're recording this like literally 20 minutes after the game ended or something like that, somewhere in that range. Yeah. And I've already forgotten like large portions of that game. I remember that Steph hit lots of threes. I rem- I remember that, frankly, it felt like it was a blowout the whole time, but it never actually was. If you look at the score until like the final five minutes, it was actually not a blowout at all. Portland was within like 7 to 11 for most of the game, it felt like. uh, I don't know. That's Man, that was a weird-ass conference <laughs> finals game.
0: So what you just described as someone that watches and covered every Warriors game very closely for the last six years, what you just described is your typical December 13th Golden State Warriors home game. It, it, it's like that. Steph scores a lot. They do a lot of off-ball play. They play about 36 guys off the bench. Uh, they are up by eight at all times. You think they're up by 30, but they're up by eight. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, they're up by 20. And uh, that's pretty standard. And It's a Western Conference Finals game. Game one. That
1: feels like even more of a this year's Warriors thing than like in previous, like, you know, a couple years ago, that game would have been over in the second quarter, right?
0: Yeah. That's, uh, no, that's completely accurate. The Warriors are just not as good as they were then. They don't, they still have the killer instinct. I mean, they beat Houston in game six on the road, but they don't have that, like, step on your throat. I'm going to behead you here, Ned Stark style, and it's going to be over for you. Like, they don't have that anymore. I think it's just, It's just they don't, they're not the same team, but I mean, it's, you're not going to beat them. You're still not going to beat them. And so, but it was just, man, it it was, it was a good watch. I mean, for Warriors fans, for Steph fans, but it was one of those where it's like, (sighs) that Houston series was the series, wasn't it?
1: It probably was. And it probably spoiled us. Like, not like, and it's not even like it was the most. Like, every game in that series was close, but it's not like it was the most rip-roaring, entertaining. So, like, frankly, you could make an argument that Denver-Portland was more, like, raw, entertaining from just, like, a swing standpoint and everything. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sloggy basketball at certain points. But, yeah, from a, like, teams actually giving Golden State a realistic challenge. Well, I mean, maybe we're we – jury's out for the finals. Like, we got some time on that. We'll see what happens there. And obviously, it could depend on how KD's doing and everything like that. But, like, first of all, Portland's defense th- – this can't be the plan right this can't actually be the plan you there I mean there's only it, this isn't hard stuff there you can get creative with certain things in the NBA there's you know varying styles you can play and everything like that and we know Portland likes to play the drop big when they play defensively but yeah. like it's, it's Steph man it's it's Stephen Curry Are you just gonna let him walk
0: around picks and shoot threes all game you cover Utah and I'm not liking in Canada go beer but you know Utah when they when the Warriors played the Jazz a few years ago Utah uh is a tall guy right and so he's not necessarily sticking out there all the time but they still played him up like you have you just have to like just from a logic perspective you just cannot have him standing in the paint do you expect Damian Lillard to fight over that and get a block like if you're going to expect that you might as well just have Harkless guard him the the game and so it's just like I don't understand what Terry Stotts is trying to do Um, and maybe it's like He doesn't want to make the adjustments in game one because it's like, well, we have to adjust to them. And, you know, we kind of, you know, uh, are the underdogs here? We look bad. It's like, dude, you're already probably going to get swept or lose by five in the series. You may as well come out in game one and just kind of throw everything at the wall and start, you know, hooding Collins or whatever you have to do, right? Uh, They just kind of stuck with what they did. And I think that's just kind of hubris. And they just thought they were good enough to handle either that or they were purposely throwing the game away. Either way, it was, I thought, almost coaching about practice it was it was absolutely terrible
1: well so no i'm i'm actually like okay maybe i'm giving terry i'm a big terry stotts fan so i want to like give him maybe like a way out of this potentially and maybe i'm giving too much credit here but you kind of actually just triggered a thought in my head of like what okay so portland's coming off game seven on sunday like 48 hours ago roughly they know that their their chances of winning this game almost no matter what they do are pretty low is there like maybe a little bit of gamesmanship to the whole, okay, maybe we won't show our actual hand in a game where we know that even if we do it perfectly, we're probably going to lose anyway. And there, and it's like a put all your eggs in the game to basket and try and steal that game. And all of a sudden, you've got a series type of thing. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving him uh, too much credit there, but I kind of want to believe that.
0: Yeah, I think I think that – that I love conspiracy theories. I love that. Um, and Terry Smarts is – Terry Smarts. Terry Stotts is definitely a good coach. The problem is they got to play – every other day the rest of the series. I I think I'd understand it if, like, they had maybe two days rest and maybe you kind of give away this game. But it's like, man, they got to go back and run it back again. And it's not like, you know, the entire fourth quarter was the rest game there. Like, it was pretty close, and they didn't put the bench guys until about three minutes left. So it's like, they got to run this back again on Thursday. And it's like... Even if they play better, I, I do expect the Warriors to play better too. I didn't think they looked that great, but it's tough. The other thing is, it's tough for Portland because they're just not—they're just not on that level, right? I would say like Warriors are on the top level. You would probably say Houston's, you know, right under that, and then you would say Portland's under that, right? So it's like, what do you really expect them to do? I think that's a little unfair.
1: Yeah, I, I think I would probably agree with that. I don't know. I wanted to give give Terry a little, and also you can't. You can't just, like, punt games against the Warriors, even no matter what the situation is, no matter how little rest you're coming off or whatever. You can't just be like, okay, we'll spot them this one. Like, it's never going to work out too well for you in a seven-game series where they have home advantage. So, I mean, honestly, the only other thing I had written down from this game was a tweet you sent early on, and it that said, honestly, I couldn't even find enough Portland might have a chance takes to troll straw men. <laughs> LOL, <laughs> it's going to be a long series for your boy. And on, but like, And you were joking, but also... I really couldn't find that this series. Like, you had some people picking Houston in the Houston series. And, frankly, I don't even think that they, like – it was obviously the wrong pick. They got it wrong. But, like, I don't think it was the craziest pick in the world. They they at least had a chance. And every game in that series was within 10, right? So, like, you know, close enough. But in this case – I don't even I don't even think I saw like you've usually got the one rogue dude on Twitter or something. I didn't see a single person and I I don't think anybody was even willing at this point.
0: That's exactly I I was just, you know, I was walking home and I was just kind of thinking like, you know, I'm kind of thinking of what stuff can I tweet, you know, to kinda piss people off. And well, there's nothing. There's really that's kind of the epitome or that's kind of the for me. What exemplifies this series? It's, it's that usually you have people that, you know, want to see the Warriors lose. So they'll say, you know, Warriors, you know, they'll, they'll lose in six, whatever it is. I didn't even see that. The fact that I didn't even see someone mess around and say that Portland had a chance to win in six or seven really is really telling. It, it just tells you that nobody gives them a chance even from a joking perspective or trolling perspective or like a, Hey, give me some attention perspective. Right. Nobody's even going to bother to do that. Cause it's like, well, it's so transparent that you're kind of, you don't even believe what you're saying. If you say that kind of did thing. You even
1: see, did you even see anyone give Portland two games?
0: <laughs> no, I don't I, think I did. The funny thing is me and Sam on our podcast, like we pick warriors in six, but you know, the yeah. funny thing is we did it because we think the Warriors going to mess around here. Like, they're gonna mess around and give away a couple games, but after watching this game, it's like they look tired too.
1: Yeah, like, well, Dame's looked tired since the start of the. Dame's looked tired since the start of the second round, pretty much. He got. I'm not saying he got carried in that second round, but like because he, he didn't at all. He's a big part of it. But like they, he he looked a bit tired since what he did in the OKC series. And then he, I don't know if you noticed on the broadcast, he tweaked his hamstring. It looked yep. like tonight yep. at one point. If that's anything moving forward, damn, like it's gonna be hard for them to get a single game here.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, and my, my, my counter to that is like, hey, the Warriors have played a regular season's worth of games in the postseason in the last five years. Uh, they, they're they tired as well, but that's where the talent disparity comes in, right? I think like with Steph and Clay, I, I would say they're a level above Damon McCollum, but maybe Damon McCollum have a great game on the road. Um, So, you know, maybe that evens out and Steph has a bad game. So you're okay there. Let's say, let's say you, you get a game three there. But then the difference on the other side is that the Warriors are Draymond Green, right? And so, like, you look at that difference and you look at Draymond Green tonight. He was phenomenal again on defense. He was so good. So good. And I'm watching Enos Cantor. You know, I'm watching Enos Cantor. I don't know, really know what he's ever doing on defense. And on offense, you know, they're throwing doubles at him. He's turned it over like five times. So it's, a, it's rough because they have those two guys. But outside of that, man, they wear those guys out, especially when Clay locked up those two guys, too. Uh, can't can't play
1: cancer might be back a little bit in this series because I think they got to go small and play Collins more like not that he was perfect by any means. I don't even know what his plus minus was or anything, but it felt like their only reasonable chance of of generating offense decently enough because frankly actually despite the fact and again I haven't even seen the specific like offensive rating numbers or whatever but despite the fact that they were giving up a, a bunch of really good looks to Steph from three it actually didn't feel like the Warriors offense was really going off that much at least not by how the standard that they can uh but and but Portland just couldn't generate enough on the other end to to get again you mentioned Draymond was was playing absolutely fantastic well I have one question for you before we kind of move on we'll talk about some lottery stuff here what uh do you, my thought had in this series with what we've heard reported about KD and the injury and everything? My thought was we don't see him until they lose a game. like. and I don't know, would you, I don't know if you've heard anything in particular, but like, do, does it seem to you like
0: they might play it cautious that way or what? They'll set him the whole series if need be, but I think he's out game two. I think it's very unlikely he plays game three. Um, and you know, if they they win game two, they lose game three. I think they're okay with, with, uh, with uh sitting him again game 4 but uh if it goes to 5 I think he'll be back game 5 and I think even if they're up 3-1 and they're going into game 5 I think they'll want to get him a game to kind of get him warmed up and see how the how the uh, how the calf is looking before the NBA finals so I think they're they won't be uh they won't be going out of their way to uh to bring him back but uh they'll bring him back when they have to I don't think it's too big of a deal but um I think it was just a couple of days ago where he still wasn't really walking or going full speed so uh, it's not like it's he's back anytime soon. It's not like he's still running around and he can play at any time. It's definitely not that. He's still at least, I would say, probably a week away. Yeah, that seems and, to make sense
1: and you're gonna want i mean obviously you're gonna at this point especially if you don't lose and if you go up 3-0 at some point in the series you're gonna you can make sure he's completely pain-free before you need to bring him back and guys speaking of pain when you're selling online getting your orders out can be a real pain it's time consuming it's expensive there are so many carriers to choose from so how do you know you're making the best choice This is why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage. Ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, helps you save money on shipping costs, and it keeps your customers happy. That's the most important thing. No matter where you're selling, you can be selling on Amazon, on Etsy, on your own personal website. ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, makes them really easy to manage from any device, your cell phone, your tablet. And right now, Blue Wire podcast listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use the promo code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E. There is absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering a credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, that's USPS, FedEx, UPS, even works with Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping option for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time, the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone you see at the top of the homepage, type in that code BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, to the promo code BLUE, ShipStation. Make ship happen. Do you like that, Andy, how I almost swore there at the incredible. end of that? incredible. And I almost swore there at the end, but I didn't.
0: Oh, yeah, I I read that read yesterday and I laughed.
1: <laughs> it's a good one, I enjoyed. it.
0: Oh, my. That was an incredible segue. Great read. I, I'm jealous. Normally, I,
1: I don't do segues well, but I was—I—I I saw a connection right there because the word pain was in the first line. We were talking about an injury. I was like, boom. You know what? It was too easy. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, guys. So, frankly, the more exciting thing in the NBA world that probably happened today than the conference final game that took place that we just talked about was the draft lottery, which <laughs> – I think a bunch of people thought Frank Isola was kidding when he tweeted out that thing before the lottery about like somebody transmitted the info and wow, you guys, wow. I think everybody thought he was trolling or something like that. He <laughs> was he was not trolling. When it got down to the final four, I was I was thinking this is basically the most exciting final four you could have imagined. Like if you could have if we had said what would be the most drama possible oh for boy. a Final Four, Lakers, oh, yeah. Knicks, Memphis, because Memphis, uh, obviously they had the convey or not convey thing and the, the trade that got that pick. And then uh, obviously the eventual winners, New Orleans, with the whole Anthony Davis saga going on, they end up winning – We've seen the word from Shams Charania saying that Davis has not changed his stance. I mean, and that was out within like 10 minutes of the pick. Oh, wow. I, I missed that. Wow. Oh, you missed it? Yeah, Shams yeah. Uh, had it a, a tweet pretty quick, which made it seem like it was all, they were almost waiting on this sort of a thing, uh, of that that he had not changed his stance, that he still uh, wow. wants, wants to be traded by the Pelicans. So I guess the, the first place to start there is, I mean, the obvious answer is Zion, plus the haul that you'll get from trading Anthony Davis sure seems like a
0: pretty damn nice rebuild, right? I don't even get to imagine Drew Holiday, Anthony Davis, and Zion Williamson. The fact that I don't even get to imagine that is, is depressing. right? I think that's, that's not fun. Uh, well, that we've seen, we've seen
1: griff pull off miracles he's now won like four draft lotteries in the last eight that. years maybe he can i don't know maybe he can pull a miracle and can and change ad's mind it doesn't feel like it though
0: no no and it doesn't and and you know shams is great he he's there's there's it's probably right and so boy that that's tough I, I will say they've got the right person for the job i mean i would say some people would say the management or sorry not management but the uh the ownership there is is tough right it's not so great but um, hiring David Griffin is smart. And so getting him to kind of re- jumpstart this rebuild with Zion and boy, I-, I don't know what they can get for Anthony Davis, but that is a hell of a way to start the rebuild. Um, here's my thing. I'm curious where David Griffin shifts Anthony Davis to um, and what does he get for that? Because if he wants to ship him to a team that Anthony Davis doesn't want to sign long term for, what's the point, right? You don't, you don't get that haul. But if you shift them to, I don't know, the Lakers, maybe you get a bigger haul. I don't know. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's my kind of thought process because end of the day, you just kind of get whatever package is best, right? And that's what good GMs do. You don't care about who you're trading to.
1: So earlier today, and I apologize if I was mistaken on this, but I'm almost 100% sure I'm correct. I believe there was a report from Ian Begley, formerly of ESPN, now he's with SNY, I believe, where he indicated sources had told him, and again, I'm sorry if I got this wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right, that he – that. Uh, Davis would consider re-signing in New York with the Knicks if he was to be traded there. And we already know, I think, based on previous reporting, he, he would definitely reconsider signing with the La- re-signing with the Lakers down the line. So with the Lakers sitting at four and the Knicks sitting at three and then looking at the remainder of their asset trove, who do we think has the better uh, set of assets? And do we think the Knicks are going to be willing to kind of put all their chips in? And I guess as a three-prong question is how do the Celtics – factor into all this would do oh, are they still boy. a factor at this point
0: the Celtics ended up with like the 15th pick or, or the 14th, 14th pick or something, yeah. right yeah, the, yeah it can't be the 15th but the 14th pick which is hilarious because uh it, it just about everything that could go wrong for the Celtics this season went wrong and uh, you would think that Kyrie's gone at this point um which is funny to me because I'm definitely not a Celtics fan so uh, <laughs> really well done um <laughs> well and the, if, Kyrie's,
1: uh, if Kyrie's gone it probably means no ad right
0: yeah yeah, it's got. I mean, yeah, that that's the thing. And and if I, I did, I, I guess I answered that accidentally while I was uh, going off on a tangent. But uh, yeah, I, I guess that you wouldn't trade uh, Jason Tatum for that. But you no, know, if I was Danny Ainge, I would still do that trade. But with Andy Davis resigned, that would be the that would be the question. And maybe he wouldn't if there's no Kyrie, right? Because then it'd just be him by himself. Um, and if you knock out the Boston Celtics, then I would think that the that the LA Lakers would have the best package. If they're already willing to throw everybody in, and I don't think that Kuzma and and Ball and Ingram are that great, I think they're all mid mid players at best. Um, if they throw on that, you know, fourth pick, it's not even close. You got to take that package, right? There's probably nothing better there. Although I did hear it's a three person draft, but you never know with those things. But you got to think it's the Lakers. Well, so what if the
1: Knicks come with? What if the Knicks are okay? We're confident that we can get Anthony to resign, and we're going to come with uh, Kevin Knox frankly tilkina this third pick and a future first doesn't that at least like at least kind of compete at
0: least get you in the building i don't know it seems like it it would at least be a starter yeah the third pick yeah third would be better than the fourth you would think in that draft and then uh and then i mean that future pick would it be unprotected right? Because and that's the tough thing. Yeah. I mean, what type of protection we're talking about? I, I just think that the Lakers are willing to they the Lakers are under so much pressure right now. They just hired Frank Vogel. Who's mediocre at best. LeBron's probably not even going to listen to him. They hired Jason Kidd, Who's a joke. Um, and that, that's just te- a terrible, uh, and they have so much organizational dysfunction over there. They're under so much pressure to get a star. I don't think Kawhi's going there. Uh, Co- Kyrie maybe, right. There's no way Kevin Durant or Clay Thompson are going there. So it's, are you going to get Jimmy Butler? Like that's who you're going to get, you know, with LeBron James? You can only get LeBron James for a few more years here. Like who who are you going to get? It has to be Anthony Davis. He's that level of superstar. And I think that the Lakers are willing to give anything that they want, anything that the that David Griffin asked for. And, man, I mean, I, I guess building around Zion, you know, uh, and R.J. Barrett or someone, uh, and, and you get these bunch of like – and Alonzo bought these kind of late-blooming uh, late lottery picks, maybe that's your your thing. I, I still think that's the best package.
1: I'd be, I will say, if I was uh, David Griffin, who I'm not, and like, man, I would love to be as smart as that. Yeah. Thing, but yeah, I would be trying to drum up interest from the Knicks if I could. Both, A, to keep the pressure on the Lakers so they have to put everything in the deal if you're going to be doing it. That's the one side of it. But also – because frankly, I am thinking maybe in the back of my head, especially from a you know, a standpoint of, you know, you've already got your foundational star. You've got Zion coming. Like, that, your foundation is set. You've got your guy. If you, if you can hit one more major home run, so my thought is, if you can get the Knicks, you just said, you mentioned it just a second ago, if you can get the Knicks to put in a future unprotected pick somehow, if you can get them to go that far, like maybe they sacrifice a f- like they only send one of their current players, and then they send this third pick plus a future first that is either unprotected or really lightly protected. And if you think you have a chance at that point at, uh, with New Orleans of maybe the Knicks, it'll just be a D. They won't get Durant or something like that, and they'll only be mediocre in the next few years. And you have a chance to nail another high pick. I'd be like, man, does that one asset maybe look more attractive to me than any single thing the Lakers can send?
0: Yeah, I uh, they're in a good spot, huh? They are. Yeah, it's not uh, bad. It I really worked it. out well.
1: I saw the suggestion from Henry Abbott, True Hoop. Uh, why don't they? Uh, why doesn't New Orleans trade the number one pick to the Lakers for LeBron James? <laughs>
0: I'd be yeah, if you the Lakers. You'd be... you do that if you're the Lakers.
1: I mean, if LeBron said that he was up for it, wouldn't you have to think about? It? I don't know. I haven't gotten. I don't
0: think, I don't think LeBron has a no trade clause. He
1: doesn't. He doesn't. But like my no, my thought wasn't even that. Mine was more like. You're, if you have LeBron on your team, you better know that he's not committed. If you're going to trade him,
0: like it would, it would probably be that. I know it's not going to happen, but I think if it happened, I think that would be the probably the craziest story in sports history. It'd have to it's be up there. Got to be up there. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be right there. <laughs> oh, That'd be really. Fun. I'm I'm rooting for that because I always root for chaos.
1: Yeah, just like a couple other random notes. Memphis came in at two, so really interesting situation for them. They've been talking about a Mike Conley trade for a while. So like now, do you feel like it's more likely they move him because now they can get Ja Morant? Yeah, and, pick,
0: and JJJ so. is great. That's a great. That's a great core.
1: But also, what's interesting about that whole thing with Conley is that they uh, they still owe their pick, top six protected in 2020. So it's like, do they maybe want to win enough so that they convey that because it becomes unprotected the year after, or oh, maybe boy. the year after that? So. Do they maybe keep Conley because to and they can say, Oh, we're gonna put him in the mentor role for Ja and plus try and win enough games to make sure they convey that pick next year? Because they frankly they sort of probably wanted to convey it this year. Like they're not gonna complain now that they have a chance to draft Ja, but like before that they were I think they were hoping to convey it this year. So that's that's kind of interesting. And then what
0: what trade is that? I'm curious. Do you know? uh, know Oh
1: shoot. I had it up before and now I don't at all. Um it was the I can find it. Uh, so, but uh, then I was going to, I was, well you, well, you can say it for a second. I was going to ask about which team do you think got screwed, quote unquote, screwed more? Uh, Atlanta dropped out of five to like seven or eight. I don't remember. I think it was eight. And then the Dallas pick that they, uh, that could have carried over to being unprotected in future years, conveyed at eight or, t- or 10 or something like that. Not great for them, given what they could have seen. And then Phoenix, who, in my opinion, Does't deserve to have any lottery luck, uh, uh, but, but uh drop down so they uh the uh, I think they drop down two two spots, maybe three they're not really in any of those positions to draft the guys that most people consider are elite at this point.
0: Yeah, I think Phoenix is we got to cut them out they're a joke and uh, they can't get anything right. I wish Atlanta had gotten some luck there, don't you like I think that's maybe the hipster kind of take, but I wish Atlanta had gotten you know a top one pick. <laughs> I wish they had got Zion. Uh, I, I love Trey Young and uh, I love Luca. Uh but Trey Young was my guy going into the draft. I didn't like I liked them than Luca or anything, but like obviously being a big Steph fan, I, I see shades of Steph in inside of uh Trey Young and I wish that uh he was playing with Zion. I think that and a lot of people compare uh Zion and uh to a, you know, more athletic version of Draymond Green. I I'd have to see it. I Draymond has the most IQ I can think of of a lot of players in the NBA, but you know Zion's that type of player that man he can take over a game both offensively and right at the rim and you know you pair that with Trey Young that would have been that would have been my favorite team to watch next year <laughs> uh, by far
1: if Zion Williamson ends up having 90% of the basketball IQ of Draymond Green he's going to be the best player ever or like <sighs> close or I'm, I'm not kidding. That sounds like hyperbole. Okay, that and if he can shoot a bit of a jumper at some point in his career, which I guess we're not like 100% sure of yet. If those two things happen, he's going to be like an all-time great NBA player. I'll say that right now because, I mean, the physical skill is there. If he's in, you're right. Uh, by the way, that pick from Memphis is all the way back from the Jeff Green trade. So that's a lot of fun, uh, that that is still going out. That has like two more years that it might cascade for going out. Uh, all right, real quick before we wrap up, uh, just do a minute or two here on the other conference final series. Hopefully game one of that on Wednesday night will be more entertaining than game one of Warriors and and uh, Blazers. I'm interested, honestly, I always think that a good gauge for – how good a team really is on the biggest stage, at least in this current era of the league is how do folks like yourself who follow golden state and cover them really closely? How do you kind of handicap this series in terms of do, do either of these teams give you pause in a finals against the warriors? And are there either of them that you're legitimately worried about seeing?
0: Man, that's a great question. You know, if I were covering the team, I'd won Toronto. I've never been to Toronto. Uh, I don't know if I want to go to Milwaukee. So uh, if I were covering the team, I'd go start with that. <laughs> Fair enough. And then, uh, but no, I, I think uh, it's a series that I don't think ma- it matters who they play, mainly because uh, whoever wins that series, you can almost say is the better player between Giannis and Kawhi. I think it's going to be a great, I think it's going to be seven games. I'm picking the Bucks, but um, I, I think it's, it's mano a mano who, on who's better. They may not guard each other, but it's, it'll be them too. Uh, and they're role players, both role players. I don't think you can trust um, uh, right now, even though you know you would say Milwaukee's might be a little bit better. Uh, I think against Golden State, both teams are so new, and guys, some guys you can't trust, like Kyle Lowry or guys like Eric Bledsoe. I think it doesn't matter. The Warriors have the experience; they're gonna win. And the matchup-wise, I think both teams are just as tough. So I, I might be a bailout answer for you, but uh, I think that's the uh, that's my take. Uh, so one for the Warriors.
1: Now that's interesting because I don't, frankly I expected you to say the Bucks. I think the bucks are obviously the team that's looked a little better recently. I picked at the start of the playoffs and at the start of the season, I picked Toronto to come out of the East there. I'm, I'm struggling with myself for whether I'm sticking with that pick or not. I don't make my picks public. Cause I don't care what people think about what I pick in a series, but like, I'm, mm-hmm. ugh, I don't know. I'm really back and forth on what I want to pick. The one thing I keep coming back to is, and this, re- this could have had to do with who they were playing in the last round. Like, I definitely feel like Philly is was a lot better team than Boston and a lot tougher matchup for a team like Toronto. So it, it could be jading what I've seen, but it feels to me like, You're right, by the way. Both teams have role players that are really, that struggle to be on the floor in the playoffs and that are going to struggle even more if they get into a series against Golden State. But it feels like even within that, Milwaukee still has a really still really knows what they are as a team and what they're doing, even despite being a little newer on this stage, as you mentioned, whereas Toronto for large portions of that Philly series, it felt like they were a bunch of talented dudes. Yes, but still just dudes around Kawhi Leonard, who
0: was then, you know,
1: being a god for basically the whole series. Did you get that feeling
0: at all? Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that I think that Toronto almost relies primarily on like, hey, Kawhi, save us. Right, and, and there's no identity there. I think it's similar to how the Golden State Warriors are when it's like, hey, Kevin Durant, do your ISO thing, and then they lose identity, right? It's, it, the, the joy is gone. The Steph Curry offense is gone. And you see what happens when you bring the Steph Curry offense back. So I think there, there are shades of that. Not that Toronto had a great offense before that, right? Um, but with Milwaukee, they know what they want to do. Um, but here's the thing. I think that Giannis, he, he doesn't remind me of like a, a young LeBron In terms of like um, style, a lot, but at the same time, he does. It's like he has that fun. You know, you remember Cleveland first, LeBron, fun, you know, a bunch of role player shooters around him, you know, coasting through the Eastern Conference, just a very good team. He has that same type of vibe for me. And I think that he's going to hit a snag there. And whether it be the Warriors or whether it be Toronto, it's the humbling will begin. And he's lost a few playoff series now and then, but this is where it begins, right? This is where it's like, now you're on the national stage. And if you don't show up now, they are coming for you. They are coming for you. And they're coming for you in ways that you've never seen before. I think that Giannis is going to struggle either in this, in this Eastern Conference Finals uh, a little bit. I still think he wins, but he's definitely going to get like, um, I call it big boyed by the Warriors like the Warriors are going to come in as the big brother and they're just going to punk him in that first finals. But then, you know, at so, at a certain point, you know, Giannis is great enough. He's going to start winning championships. You would think, uh, but you know how that goes. You don't just show up to the finals as a first timer and just go to work. So, Uh, That's kind of what I see happening, but uh, man, that guy.
1: I could definitely see like some 07 finals vibes for sure. As you say that, like that kind of makes a lot of sense to me. And even, you know, the Spurs that year in 07 were good. They were nowhere near the juggernaut that Golden State is this year. As far as their, their recent history, I could absolutely see a lot of those same shades as far as Giannis and the rest of this Bucks group are just overwhelming at this point because they like as we've said they know I think they know who they are their identity is really strong which the, those Cavs teams were too that was very clear where the alpha was in the situation and where everybody's roles were after that but then they got to a certain point where they ran into a talent level and an execution level that they just couldn't keep up with. And they got swept out of the room quite literally. They lost that series 4-0. But then yeah. obviously LeBron came back a lot. It took him a while to win the title actually, but it took him, uh, you know, he that was a, a pretty significant experience for him and a pretty significant like kind of slow the roll moment. Not that not that any of the, the platitudes given in Giannis's direction this year have been misplaced by any means, but like, you're right, that kind of success tends to, especially when you're in a league with a team like the Warriors, tends to come slowly. And we've seen that over several generations of the NBA. Pistons and the Bulls and then all the, you know, the various teams that kind of get over that hump over time.
0: Yeah, I, and, I, and I, you know, the Bucks are better than that team, right? Middleton's good. Bledsoe's good. you know, But it's like I, – I... Brooke Lopez and, you know, Nikola Meritic and and Bledsoe I I don't see these guys as Middleton even. I, I just don't see these guys as players that matter on the highest stage, right? Like players that matter are Kyrie Irving and LeBron James and and guys that like are able to even Klay Thompson struggles in the finals. Right. <laughs> right? Like he and and he's a very good player. And and the Bucs don't have anywhere near Klay's ability. So I mean we're we're taking we're jumping ahead here, but I, I think that uh um I think there are some people, you know. I think the Bucks have like similar odds to the Warriors of winning, so I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, I think that's where the uh, disconnect lies for me. So.
1: Well, there are some people that are that that have. I think it was on the low post today. Chris Herring, my good friend, uh, made said he thinks the Bucks might win it all. He said he thinks that almost like the Warriors in that first title year, we can be a bit slow adjusting to the new kind of juggernaut in the building type of thing, and that we might be just slow adjusting to the you know Milwaukee's been the best team in the league all year long, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure if I by the whole extent of that, because, you know, we know sort of the laying dormant thing with Golden State. We've seen what this team is in the playoffs, but I'm interested by it. I do think Milwaukee could give a, a pretty interesting series. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it'll be interesting. And pr- frankly, do you blame us for jumping ahead after the game that we just watched? I don't blame us personally. Um,
0: yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I
1: was just going to basically close it out. So if you got anything else, go ahead. But otherwise I, fe- I felt like we ran through it pretty well.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring it all the way back and say, well, we're right back at the Warriors and Blazers in a series that technically they call it the Western Conference Finals, but boy, it feels like the first round.
1: Yeah, Western Conference Finals already happened, I'm pretty sure, in the last round and ended in six games, unfortunately. Man, it would have been fun. Imagine if that Sunday had gone – had we had another game after that ridiculous Kawhi buzzer beater. I was thinking about that earlier today. What if we had had another game after that? That would have been ridiculous. (sighs) okay
0: uh,
1: anyway guys thank you so much for joining us once again i've been with andy lou here you all know who he is he is the host of the light years podcast in the bay also he and andy or wow excuse me he and sam host the radio show andy give us the information on that
0: oh yeah warriors world radio 95.7 the game Saturday or Sunday is nighttime, you know, usually 5 to 7 p.m. So you can catch us on there if you're in the Bay Area. It is a
1: joy. I have listened online just to get in on that I appreciate experience. appreciate you, brother. It's fantastic. I am Ben Delsett. I am the host of the Sharp Notes podcast with the Utah Jazz. We'll have a new episode out this week that is a crossover hockey podcast with my friend Ian Tulloch from Ooh. The Athletic. We're going to talk about refs because you know how much I love talking about refs. That's totally Ooh. my thing. Uh, guys, please do us a favor like rate subscribe download all of our blue wire podcasts including this blue wire bucket do us a favor subscribe then unsubscribe then resubscribe game the system i'm all about that that's what we're about over here (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) Uh, please do it for us we're building the network and we're really happy with some of the things that are coming here in the future you're going to hear about them really soon uh once again ben dowson andy lou blue wire buckets i need a good sign off. I don't know. I don't have a good. I don't have a good sign off. Go basketball. <laughs> Do you have a good sign off, Andy? <laughs> no, of course for me, brother. I love that. <laughs> oh man. All right. Go basketball. Have a good night, everybody.